from DynastyLeagueFootball.com and the DLF family of podcasts, this is the Super Flex Super Show. Your main source for strategy, speculation, player values, and all things Super Flex. With innovative strategies like QBX and the Super Flex Flywheel, exercises like Tinder Flex, Super Six, You're Nuts, and next week this week, the Super Show's Super Friends never lack the content you need to help you draft and manage your roster in the fastest growing fantasy football format, Superflex, on the Superflex Super Show. Enjoy your DLF podcast and stay sexy and super flexy. Welcome to the DLF Dynasty Podcast with your hosts, Dan Myler, Ryan McDowell, and Matt Price. Yeah, we are the DLF Dynasty Podcast, Dan, Matt, and Ryan, and we are coming at you with episode 598 of the show. We are going to talk about week 15 and the fantasy playoffs, uh, how those started or didn't start for some of us uh, across the dynasty landscape. We're also going to try to hit on some uh, dynasty values in the rookie report. We got uh, a cash stash or future trash segment as well, talking about some breakouts from the 2023 fantasy season. But first, let's talk to the fellas. Matt, how's the first round of your playoffs treating you? It's okay. Um, I think I had eight playoff teams out of ten out of ten leagues. The other two were rebuilds. I think I'm probably out in three or four of those. I think probably four. Um, so I got, I got, I'll have about half the teams left, I think, which seems to be about, about average. Um, there was a lot of stuff. We're going to talk about it in the startup, but, uh, man, there was a lot of, a lot of stuff that affected things on Sunday morning. Yeah. The news was coming hot and heavy Sunday morning. There were a lot of pivots happening. There was also across the leagues that I'm in, I saw a lot of, a lot of moving and shaking on rosters, pickups that sometimes you see that early in the season, but as waivers kind of get rolling throughout the season, there aren't as many surprises uh, late in the week or into the weekend, uh, right before lineup lock. And this week, you saw some some uh, some low end quarterback twos or even high end quarterback threes being picked up in some leagues and, and started mm-hmm. even in single quarterbacks. And that was that was the insane part of things for me, uh, Ryan. I know on the high end too, with the Tyreek news and the Olave news and all the stuff that that trickled down from these teams. There were some dynasty managers really shaking in their boots. Oh yeah, it was it was brutal. It was brutal. Uh, it felt like it would be bad when we got some of that Sunday morning news, and it was in fact bad uh, when the games started. So yeah, you know, it's just it's just part of the game, I guess. And Matt said we're gonna we're gonna get into more of it. But uh, Matt, you, I mean, you advanced half your teams. You don't you don't belong here. This, this I, I would I would like to. I think all of us though would like to jump in the DeLorean and go back and start Aiden O'Connell from from Thursday though. Yeah, there's a lot of a lot of things I'd like to do in the DeLorean. Uh, <laughs> you know, I I made some I made well. some lineups mistakes uh, uh, as well on Thursday. But let's not get into that. There's because there's probably listeners out there saying, "Hey, wait up! Uh, I started James Cook, and 
I had David Njoku in my lineup, and I was forced to start Jordan Addison instead of Tyreek Hill. That worked out just fine for me. Um, the Jalen Waddle managers were, were just fine with Tyreek Hill being out of the lineup. There were some <laughs> positive things that came out of, out of week 15 as well. I ran into Baker Mayfield in three leagues. And, of course, he's going to finish as one of the top two quarterbacks, probably the number one quarterback in most leagues, uh, or in some leagues. Uh, Goff probably probably outscored him in, in most leagues. But, you know, I, I really I struggled in, uh, in week 15. And the biggest struggle I had was that I did not get the bye. Too many third seeds. And I ended up getting bounced. And that's going to be the topic of our startup. The startup. I made that sound like it was going to be all about my teams and my self-deprecating uh, <laughs> situation here, but really, it's it's leagues in general. Weeks fifteen brought some big question marks. Some of those that we talked about the the Chris Olave news on Sunday morning, Tyreek Hill looking like there were even reports out of Miami or Miami beat writers saying, "Yeah, we watched him warm up. He gave us a thumbs up." I saw that report. Um, everything looked like he was going to play and then suddenly inactives come out and he's not going. So managers are pivoting and sometimes overreacting to the news. Uh, some managers put Chris Godwin in and that worked out just fine. Um, but most of us had to pivot to a player, Odell Beckham, that was me, that it just didn't work out. And those teams are all going to be watching the rest of the playoffs. So I'm wondering guys, you know, is there a way to to sidestep this situation where the playoffs come and the best teams you want to have the best chance to advance outside of just giving out buys, Matt? Is there something else we can do from a league standpoint, from a commissioner standpoint, to help these teams that see their t- their great season just go in the toilet because of a couple little things that trickle down on Sunday morning in Week 15? You know, it's 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 a natural part of fantasy football. It happens to us in the regular season too, where things happen, where there's injuries mid-game, and there's just nothing you can do to really combat those things. But I do think that this week was kind of a shining example of of why we should be at least considering removing trade deadlines, or if not considering removing them, at least be less. Um, I don't know, aggressive in, in, in some regards in terms of saying that they're, they're trade deadlines, if you don't have one, it hurts the integrity of the league and all this stuff. I mean, I saw so many, so much league activity Sunday morning in my leagues that no longer have trade deadlines, uh, fixing the Tyreek Hill situation, fixing the Crick Solave situation. We had, had we, we know now, uh, or we assume now that Jalen Hurts is going to play uh, tonight, later tonight. Um, we're recording before the Monday night game. Um, but saw people trading for copies of Marcus Mariota to, to ensure that they get points there. And I just really think that's a good thing for leagues, not only in terms of the activity level, but I, we've all, we've all been in situations where like you have such a stellar regular season, you get to the playoffs and you have like three key injuries, but there's a trade deadline. And now you're just like, well, I'm starting Odell Beckham Jr. Or, or whatever guys scrubs that I can get off of the waivers. And it's just such a defeating feeling. So I, I wonder if, if people that are so adamantly against them have ever been in that situation. And if they are like, are you really okay with that? Because the ability to at least go out and attempt to fix those catastrophic situations is like just so valuable, I think in dynasty leagues. 
I think you're making some good points there, Matt, and I'm going to take those into consideration as I kind of consider how I've felt about trade deadlines and whether they belong in leagues or where they belong in leagues if they do. The one thing that I've always thought, though, and I think Ryan and I were both uh, kind of sharing a brain a couple weeks ago when we talked about it, was that it, late in the season in these these on these teams where you feel like you got a chance to make a run and you're really a contender for a title – I tend to build depth in those types of leagues. I know, Matt, you said that you you like to consolidate and and really focus on that starting lineup to make that run. And that's where that kind of came into play for me. But I made the mistake of thinking that, well, Beckham's coming along and he can be that depth piece that could help out. Tyler Lockett is a veteran that I can count on if somebody goes down, if – if I don't have Jonathan Taylor down the down the line, I'll have Zach Moss. And I think it's the snowball effect, the trickle-down effect of one injury you can handle, two injuries maybe you cannot, three you definitely yeah. can't handle those types of things. And when you compile that with, Ryan, the the disappointing uh, finishes or, or the diff- disappointing performances from guys like, like Dak and Tua and – Justin Fields at quarterback and Bijan at running back along with Eckler and Tony Pollard, David, Devin Achan and Derek Henry wide receivers like Puka Nakua who got us to the playoffs and CD lamb who definitely got, I hope you got a, got a top seed and got a buy with, with lamb and Dak. The, these things compiled along with the injuries. That's where the problem comes in. So if we're trying to quote unquote, fix this situation, Matt made a good point that, this happens all year long. It's not just a week 15 problem. It's not just a playoffs problem. It's part of the game we sign up to play. So maybe doing something along the line of the trade deadline is a good idea. Is there, is there anything else that commissioners could pivot to? Yeah, I think there's a few things actually. And we, we did hit on some of them last week when we talked about our playoff format, uh, that had that conversation. And again, kind of like that conversation, you have to decide if this is something you want to fix, if you want to address this, or if you prefer kind of the, uh, the, the randomness, the, the wildness that comes from a, a week to week uh, playoff format. Uh, if, if you're good with that, then you, you can just roll as is. But if, if this is kind of frustrating for you, then I, th- I think there's some things you could do. The trade deadline, I agree with Matt. I think that's something to look at. Um, larger lineups. This is one. This is one change that I've made in some mm-hmm. of my main mm-hmm. leagues uh, over the past year is just adding a adding a, a starter to the lineup. We now uh, we now start eleven players in a super flex league, uh, and that's that's no kicker, no defense. So you're you're talking about eleven quarterback, running back, wide receiver, and tight end. And uh, I, I do feel like I saw a difference. This past season was our first one, and, uh, you know, the, the cream kind of rises to the top. Now, we, we still had this week 15 where some of the, the teams that were the one seeds and, and earned the, uh, you know, had the best regular season got bounced. And, unfortunately, that that includes me in, in a couple of those leagues. Uh, I mean, you're, you're not always going to have the – the top seed win win the league, uh, you know, win the, win the championship, and I think obviously that is that is okay. That shouldn't necessarily be yeah. the goal. That's why in in my leagues again, I reward uh, I reward regular season 
titles and and of course more heavily reward playoff titles. So I, I was that I think, one seed. Yeah, sorry. Ahead, I was just go gonna ahead. say I was the one seed. I I earned a little bit of uh, of money, and even though I got bounced, that that kind of eases the the sting a little bit, I guess. Yeah, yeah those are good points for sure. It, I still want the the manager that invested in Ty Chandler and held him all season and it pays off in the playoffs. I want that to count for something. I, I still want that move, making the right move. Uh, it, when you're the sixth seed and you're playing the three, that should pay off in those in, instances. Yeah. So I, I don't want to play in a points league where if we just play 16 weeks and whoever has the most points gets the money at the end. Right. I want there to be that head to head factor and that camaraderie and that one-on-one like butting heads matchup every single week. We're not trying to take that away. We're, we're simply trying to present options to, to make some of these things a let a little bit less effective to what we've dealt with. Again, the, the managers that, had the guts to put Chris Godwin and Baker Mayfield and um, and Ty Chandler, those types of players into their lineups and it, it should pay off for those guys. So um, well, hat tip to you if you advance. I mean, I, I think, I think many people would agree that one of the best sporting events of, of every year is the NCAA basketball tournament, right? Mm-hmm. March madness. Um, and a big reason for that is we always see upsets, right? We see the 15 beating the two and, um, there's, there's no reason to fix that. It it really stinks. If you're the two losing in that, uh, in that big upset for the world to see. And if you're the one seed in your league and you lost to Baker Mayfield and Chris Godwin and Ty Chandler, that really stinks. But ultimately I, I do think it's part of the game. We're not going to have a perfect playoff format or perfect league, and uh, the things that we talked about, maybe larger lineups, maybe removing the trade deadline, uh, maybe even going to a best ball format. Those are things you could do to, uh, to in my opinion, to improve your league. But uh, it doesn't it doesn't take away that uh, that head to head excitement that we talked about. Yeah, which is important to me and important to a lot of the players that I play with across my leagues, for sure. Um and we deal with these these types of things every year. So it's not a new thing. Um, doesn't mean we shouldn't be trying to improve our game uh, and improve the amount of fun that we can have. Let's move on to the Rookie Report, guys. It's time for the Rookie Report. Yeah, so with the season pretty much wrapping up for most players out there, I know a lot are setting lineups for the semifinals in Week 16 this week. We thought we'd look back at Superflex Rookie ADP from 2023. We're going to sidestep Round 2, or excuse me, Round 1, and move right to Round 2 and try to discuss some of the some of the hits and some of the misses from the latter parts of the, of the draft to see if we can learn something for future years. So let's go through round two of Superflex rookie ADP. I'll, I'll list these players as a whole, and then we can, we can discuss the biggest hits and misses started with Kendra Miller, then Sam Laporta, Michael Mayer and Jonathan Mingo at the two Oh four. After that, it went Roshan Johnson, Rashi Rice, Ty J Spears, Marvin Mims, Tank Bigsby, Will Levis at the two ten. And the round kind of finishes with a couple wide receivers that uh, spiked throughout the season, Josh Downs and Jaden Reed. So, Matt, if you had to pick one name, hit, miss, anything else from this list 
that really jumps off to you? What second round player, either hit or miss, uh, really pops off the most for you? Um, I think there's one shining example here. Sam Laporta. Yeah. Um, I think he sticks out like a sore thumb. Like he's the, I mean, he's, I, I don't know about you guys. He's for me, he's, 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 he's become the tight end one in dynasty has been there for, I don't know, at least a month or so now. Um, and to get him in that, that, that second round range, it was just, uh, just really just stealing. We, 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 we took, uh, at least one tight end, uh, Dalton Kincaid in the first, and I'm sure that's worked out fine, but you probably maybe wish you spent that late first on like, let's say Devin, Devon Achan, and then with your second round pick came back and got Laporta. I think that probably feels a lot better. Man, I, I'm looking at these, these wide receivers and I'm trying to think back. And I think the important thing in this discussion is trying to remember the conversation and kind of put ourselves in that place. Maybe we're back in the DeLorean again here, but I'm looking at these receivers and I just remember grouping Mingo, Rashi Rice, Mims, Downs, and Reed, and just kind of saying, take your pick. And we all had favorites yeah. and we, maybe we all had players that we avoided there, but obviously there's, there's three guys that if you, if you opted for Rice, Downs, or, or Jaden Reed, you're feeling great right now. Those players have performed well. They've gained dynasty value. Uh, and, and then Mingo and and Mims certainly have not. And, uh, you know, you look at those offenses that, that they're a part of. Um, you know, traditionally, I know the Packers had a lot of questions entering this season, but traditionally that's a team that we want pieces from. Certainly the Chiefs uh, would be the same, <laughs> the same situation. The Panthers? The Broncos with with a new staff and struggles last year, you know, in hindsight, those are teams that maybe we should have been avoiding and instead chasing the Packers and chasing the Chiefs. I think the one that might stand out for me is probably the one at the top of the list. And Laporta was a good, a good, um, good name to bring up there, Matt. But Kendra Miller had an ADP of 13 overall. He was RB5. And at this point, I know we talked about him last week or the week before and how we're still valuing him um, near a second round pick because of the unknowns moving forward. However, that it was really a lost season for Miller, especially considering the opportunity he could have potentially had early in the season with Kamara off the field because of the suspension and everything like that. That If you chose Kendra Miller at 13 overall thinking, Hey, maybe maybe I took Bijan at one. Uh, I'm going to double down at at uh, 13 overall. Get a second running back to build around. That doesn't feel real good with names like Laporta and Rice and and Downs and even Jaden Reed behind them. Um, that's that that might go down as a pretty big miss. Yeah, for sure. And I just wonder. I mean, I liked Miller, you know, at that point. And, and I still like him uh, somewhat now, but I do just wonder if that was a case of um, uh, dynasty managers just saying, I'm just going to take the next running back, whoever the next running back on the list is, you know, I've got a need there. You look back at the NFL draft, of course, Bijan and Gibbs both go in the top 12 picks. Uh, we see more than a full round before Zach Charbonnet is taken but then it's it's nearly 20 more picks before Kendra Miller is the fourth running back off the board. Um, so, yeah, to take him above um, 
first round wide receivers. Uh, I think, eh, maybe, no, I'm sorry. There were no first round receivers left, but to take him above day two, second round receivers and, and, uh, and tight ends. Yeah. Obviously that, that stings now. Matt, you mentioned Sam Laporta um, in the, in the top of the second round, another name that was drafted right around him. And I saw plenty of dynasty rookie drafts where, this guy went ahead of Laporta. It was Michael Mayer who had had more of the name recognition coming out of Notre Dame, but uh, and and got similar draft capital, right? Going to the Raiders in the second round early. In fact, if my memory serves me right, maybe they went like back to back or within a few picks of one another. Um, Mayer had some flashes. Certainly looks like a player that could be useful to dynasty players down the road. But the difference between the two are huge. What did dynasty players miss with Mayer that they should have seen in Laporta? Well, they didn't. They didn't listen to this show enough, I guess, because I believe that we were telling everybody to, <laughs> to, to not necessarily to fade Mayer, but to not take him as as a top three tight end in the class, and uh, or maybe even a top four. I think at that point, towards the end of the process, we were we had Musgrave above him too. Um, so I mean, that was that's that's really it. We we still like the player. He just doesn't have the same athletic upside as as some of those others in the top top four of tight ends of this class. It was a bad landing spot with a bad organization where he was presumably going to be playing behind a veteran and. Um, uh, Austin Hooper at the time, right? So there was just tons of red flags there. And I think people were betting on the name and the college production and not necessarily projecting what that might end up as a pro. And that, you know, projecting, it, it works out sometimes. It, work, it doesn't work out other times. So um, it, it was totally fair to still bet on him as a, as, a, as a good prospect. And I still think he is. It's just the situation he landed in um, and the lack of athletic upside compared to the rest of the options in this class uh, kind of kind of knocked him down a, a peg. But I, I think he's probably going to be a, a big target this offseason, uh, you know, assuming the Raiders can get their get their stuff together. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I, I like Mayer as a buy this offseason. His value has definitely decreased. Yeah, Mayer, just to uh, kind of clean things up, Mayer was picked fourth in the second round, one pick behind Laporta. So did get that draft capital. Of course, Kincaid went late in the first round to the Bills at 25 overall. And then Luke Musgrave went at the 11th pick of the second round. So these guys were all clumped together and it was really a pick yeah. your favorite among them. I think the point that you made there, Matt, was probably that Laporta had that opportunity to step right into a number one role where maybe Mayer didn't. I see Mayer potentially as a player who could flourish in year two. And you, you made the point that maybe he, he gets more of an opportunity and takes a step forward in year two, um, we've seen plenty of tight ends take a minute before they become productive mm -hmm. dynasty players or fantasy players for all of us, Ryan. Yeah, I was just going to go back to the team situation, and I, I hate to simplify it, simplify it like this because uh, it, it's not this easy. But again, in hindsight, do you want the Bills tight end, the Packers tight end, the um, Lions tight end, or the Raiders? Right? Like we should yeah. want the Raiders tight end last. And, and that is, that's certainly the case now. Um, I, I still like mayor as well. And, and uh, I think he's, he's probably going to make a good buy low target this off season, but uh, to see his name right beside Laporta definitely hurts. To put a bow on the, on the run in the, in round two, towards the end, we did see Marvin Mims after Rashi Rice and, and then Downs and Jaden Reed, Matt, you were uh, pounding the table 
if I could, you know, that might be a little bit too strong for Reed being the most productive Packers receiver. And that's pretty much came to light. He, he has the ability to create separation from the slot. The Packers clearly see him as a player they want to get the ball to with an opportunity going towards the line of scrimmage in that jet sweep game, that tap pass game. He gets opportunities that some of the other players on that team do not get. And honestly, he's turned them into a very productive rookie season. He was banged up on Sunday against the Buccaneers, missed the end of that football game. But I think it's clear at this point that Reed profiles as the future in the slot for the Packers. And the the sky might be the limit, really, for Reed if he continues to show that he can create that space and and, uh, run routes the way he has to this point. Yeah. And, and it's the versatility too. You know, we've seen him doing a lot of stuff out of the backfield. They're using a lot on jet sweeps They're using him underneath They're using him as a, as an end zone target. He's just shown the ability to, you know, be that do everything player. And, and I don't think any other receiver on the roster really, really uh, uh, can fit that mold for them. So he's been able to capitalize on that. Plus of course the injuries to Christian Watson, Romeo Dubs has been in and out of the lineup. He started the season injured. So he's just become the most reliable player for them. And I don't really see that changing. I, I think there's still, a, a scenario next season where you know Christian Watson actually remains healthy throughout the entire camp, um, and the off season comes in and, and has a, 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 a an injury free season and completely lives up to the expectations that we put on him uh, in his second year. Um, and we again we saw flashes of that from Watson this year, but he wasn't able to do it consistently. But Reed really has ever since he was given the opportunity to do so. Ryan, I would say all 12 of these players still have the opportunity to become hits down the road. Although at this point, it looks like really about four of them have have jumped into that category already. Certainly Laporta has. I would say Rashi Rice has to this point yeah. as well. We're starting him in playoff lineups. Josh Downs has shown enough to this point to really feel like you can use him on a regular basis when he's healthy and then read who we just talked about. That's four out of 12. A lot of dynasty players tend to think that in the second round, you're throwing a dart. You're trying to do the best you can with what you have. According to this data, you were just as likely to get a hit with the last pick in the second as you were with the first. Most dynasty players would take Jaden Reed for Kendra Miller at this point. So when, when you get a dynasty question asking about future second round picks in drafts, What's your general feeling about the value that you can get there? Is that something we should be trying to accumulate as much as we can for? Or is are, are we more likely to become profitable if we trade those picks away for current assets that can help us? I think it can go either way, certainly. But in general, I do think second rounders are undervalued, especially compared to obviously first round picks. I mean, even, even the, those early seconds compared to a late first, there's a, a, usually a large value gap there when in many cases, the players being drafted in those, in those ranges are, are in the same tier. So I definitely like uh, loading up on as many second rounders as I can. If you can get those as a throw in, of course, at this time of year, uh, or once we get to the early off season, that becomes more of a challenge. Um, but, but yeah, I, I love to have second rounders. You mentioned the four hits. I totally agree with those, but I mean, Tajay Spears was 2.07. I was say Spears. He, he's yep. gained value. So mm-hmm. he's hasn't necessarily been startable yet, but he has gained value. Same thing for his teammate, Will Levis, uh, who was the 210. Hasn't been startable yet, but I, I think has done enough to, 
put himself in a, a good position to be the starter next year. So he's gained value from this late second, uh, second round range. And, you know, everybody else kind of up in the air still, I would say. Yeah. Even, even Mingo, I would say he, he profiles as a guy that probably should start next year. And although he jumps every time he catches the ball on for some reason and can't land two feet in bounds when he's along the boundary, it's, which is maddening. It, there's, there's a universe where Mingo because of, becomes something that we want on our teams. That's why I said all of these players, Matt, have a chance to become what we wanted them to be when we drafted them in these slots. Yeah, I was gonna, just going to say, I think the only true miss, I mean, the only the only player in here that really didn't flash that much was Tank Bigsby, even mm-hmm. Mims. Like, obviously, he didn't get enough work, but he had those several splash games, uh, whatever it was, 74-yard touchdowns, things like that. Yeah. Bigsby just kind of disappointed, like, every time. I mean, he didn't get a lot of opportunities, don't get me wrong, but I think that was a lot of that. A lot of that was how he played early in the season, which was fumbling at the goal line and not being able to punch in those short uh, those short touchdowns and things like that, you know, so he's one I am a little bit worried about the 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 one B role that we thought might be there from him at the start of the season has definitely not transpired. And I mean, he might just be a complete direct uh, backup to, to ETN at this point. And we really do just have to wait an inch for an injury to see him. And at that point, I, I mean, he's the only one that I would question uh, about his future value right now um, in the second round. You meant backup to Dearness Johnson, right? Yeah, I was going to say he's not even the backup. <laughs> Dearness Johnson, yeah, good point. <laughs> uh, value, you know, new value, updated value taken into account. Who's your favorite trade target for the offseason from this second round? I think it's Ty J Spears. <sighs> Ooh, I think mine's Josh Downs, maybe. Yeah, it could be. I was considering Downs, Reed, and Ty J Spears. Um, Spears looks dead set to be the number one tailback there and potentially have that Rashad White role where he's catching all the passes and running running it 15 to 18 times a game. And after that Derrick Henry game this this past weekend, there's I mean, there was talk on Twitter today, and it's just talk, that he would be released before the season even ends, which – is silly. Ooh, that's silly, yeah. but no, that's um, but I mean this this could certainly be Derrick Henry's final month in Tennessee. Absolutely. Let's get to round yeah. three, guys. I'll I'll rattle them off, uh, and then let's let's talk about it. It went Jalen Hyatt, Luke Musgrave, Chase Brown, and Cedric Tillman were the first four in round three, according to Superflex ADP collected in the offseason. Then Hendon Hooker. Luke Schoonmaker, uh, Israel Obanaconda, Zach Evans, Tank Dell, Michael Wilson, Kayshawn Booty, and Dwayne McBride. Only one major hit here, Matt. You can have the floor because it's obviously mm-hmm. Tank Dell. I mean, I think after week one, I said buy him for a second. And you may have paid a third round pick for him here, 309, but... Man, uh, that injury was heartbreaking and a lot for a lot of reasons, but uh, I think he's firmly submitted himself as a top twenty dynasty receiver, and that might be uh, that might be a little bit low, honestly. I think yeah. I have him at like fifteen, sixteen, something like that. Matt, do you think um, with the so, injury we could capitalize and potentially get him in a deal early this offseason? If you're I don't paying know. wide receiver eighteen prices, I think that's a deal. If other people are thinking wide it, top twenty wide it, receivers, which you just suggested. If you can get him for a like a single late round, like for playoff burst, I mean, I, I would happy be happy to do that. I think that's the 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 best price you're going to get on him right now. Yeah, 
I was going to say the same. Yeah. Ryan, if there's another name, either positive or negative that pops off out of this list, who's, who's that guy for you? Well, it's hard to find much positive. I mean, we, we, we talked about how strong the second round was and essentially half of those guys have already returned value and either in production or, uh, or just value gained. And, and we, we see a major drop here. Uh, I, I think this, the second guy we have to talk about is Luke Musgrave. Uh, we, we talked mayor and, and, uh, and Laporta in round two Musgrave, the injury of course has has derailed his season, but he was very, very impressive, certainly gained value even with that injury and, and with the solid play of, of Tucker craft over the past month, uh, Musgrave, Musgrave is going to be a player that I'm, I'm trying to target this off season for sure. Yeah, I saw a deal just a couple weeks ago that you made to get Luke Musgrave in a contract league where I believe he had a four-year contract. You were trading some of those veteran players away on short-term deals. So um, I completely agree. If I could get my hands on Musgrave, I'd love to add him to my roster. Another name that has flashed slightly, and it's pretty slightly, is Cedric Tillman. Since the trade um, by the Browns, he's got on the field quite a bit more and he looks like the athletic athletic big receiver that we thought he might be coming out of college he profiles as the guy that could take a year two step forward if you could get him added as a throw-in on a trade that's the type of type of guy I'm looking at for that what about Michael Wilson guy guys had a big game uh, around week seven or eight whenever that was then had the injury missed a few weeks got back on the field uh this past week didn't do much but I feel like Wilson could be a guy that could step forward moving forward. Anybody else on that list, Matt? You know, I never thought I would be, and I'm still really not a, a huge fan of Jalen Hyatt, but he had a few games this season that yeah. made me kind of, you know, at least sit up and pay attention. I think uh, against the, 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 the Patriots, he had that five for one Oh nine game. Um, didn't get in the end zone on any of them, but you know, that, that whole team was just, it just had bad, bad juju all the way around uh, from Daniel Jones completely just like outside of that one fourth quarter where he had like a whole fantasy game in a fourth quarter outside of that, he was a complete disappointment with before he got injured. And then, you know, Tommy DeVito took over and that looked like it was going to be just, just a catastrophe. And it, you know, largely has, but he's shown out a little bit. Um, but I just think we probably need to take a look, longer look at, at Hyatt as well sure. um, from this. And then we talked about, about, about a couple weeks ago, Chase Brown and that, that big game he yeah. had, it didn't, hasn't materialized since then, but uh, you know, I still have, still have hopes for him too. What do you think? Third round picks. Does this list give you any, any indication of what we should be doing on the trade market with third rounders, Ryan? Well, I don't think we should throw them away. I mean, you can look at every third round, every fourth round, uh, going back years and years, and you can find guys like Tank Dell, certainly guys like Luke Musgrave and Chase Brown. Um, So, I I mean, I see it all the time that dynasty managers treat third round picks like like they're worthless, literally. And we'll we'll even say that sometimes. you know, it's it's not easy to hit on those guys. Um, Dan, you and I were both not believers in Tank Dell, so we missed on we missed on him. But um, you know, do your homework or, uh, or or find you know find find resources that you trust, and you're going to be able to find those uh, those hits. Yeah, I had a chance to draft Tank Dell in the third round in a home league. 
and stuck with my guns over Matt's, even though though Matt uh, Matt was very convincing, and I'm regretting it, buddy. You you were on the right track. Uh, let's talk about round four real quickly. It went Tucker Craft, Darnell Washington, couple. I think third round tight ends followed by Deuce Vaughn, Eric Gray, Sean Tucker, Evan Hall, Stetson Bennett in Superflex, then Puka Nakua at the 408 followed by Tyler Scott, Brenton Strange, AT Perry and Charlie Jones. The big name that sticks out here of course is Puka Nakua. We were all three big fans of Puka and thought he was a great investment even in the third round in Dynasty rookie drafts in 2023. After that though, Tucker Craft has shown some glimpses here recently Absolutely. since the injury to Luke Musgrave. There's a chance that they could be a one-two punch here over the first few years of their career. Maybe they're going to have to be separated at some point. But I think Kraft has shown enough, Matt, to make us feel like if he gets the opportunity to be the guy at tight end for a team, he could be a back-end tight end one. Yeah, I mean, I, I we were at the draft together, or not at the draft, but hanging out for the draft together, Dan. I was pretty not happy about that second tight end pick, but after getting him, seeing him some play time, I mean, I mean, you can see the vision of the twelve personnel with both Kraft and Musgrave out there, and and Jaden Reed running around doing his things, and then of course uh, Christian Watson if he's healthy, being the explosive athlete out of the group. So you can see the vision kind of coming together with him. Um, it'll be interesting to see if they do play it that way, where both of those guys are on the field, or if he just takes a back seat again once Musgrave uh, is healthy. I play in leagues, Ryan, <laughs> where there are fourth rounds. I know a lot of leagues yep. only go through round three, but I never even treat fourth rounders as throwaways. In fact, I like to collect them and watch those guys for the first six or eight or 10 or 16 weeks and then yep. make a decision on them. Just the simple fact that Puka is on this list is enough to make anybody it should should make anybody say I need my fourth round pick because I could hit. It's a competitive advantage to pay attention and and be have a have a deep brain and and think long and hard about every single prospect every year. We're down to what what is that like player forty three forty four in a draft and you can get Puka Nakua. I play in a lot of contract leagues and you can get him for like a half a percent of your cap for the first three or four years of his career. That's why I want these picks. Even Tucker Craft at this point. Right. That's a deal. It's a guy you should have on your team. Although there's only a couple names on this list that we really care about at this point, those are free players. And if you're playing in a deep enough league where that matters, it can be the difference in making the playoffs or not, or even winning a title or not. Yeah, you've got to have the roster spots at this point because, like you said, in in most cases, uh, we are going to want to hold these guys, wait and see. Uh, the Pukanakuas are obviously rare that not only do they produce, but they produce right away, right? Um, yeah. So you've, you've got to have both the roster space and the patience to hang on to those players once you invest even a fourth-round pick into them. Uh, you know, my takeaway here is is looking at Puka Nakua 4.08, and all three of us were, as, as you said, Dan, we're big fans of him. We said, you know, you've got to make him a priority. But I remember being in drafts where I had a late second round pick and then nothing else. Uh, didn't have a third or a fourth, and yeah. I missed I missed on Puka because I wouldn't use that late second on him, or even a mid third. 
I looked at the ADP and told myself I could wait. And and guess what? That did not work out. So yeah, if you're a big believer in a guy like Puka Nakua, a guy like Tank Dell, there's really no such thing as, as overdrafting those guys. If you're taking a, a fourth rounder in the late third, a third rounder in the late second. Just do it. Yeah, just I'm exactly, actually exactly just do. I'm it. kind of shocked by that by that 408. Honestly, I I mean I have to go back and double check, but I cannot think of a single rookie draft where I saw him go outside of the third round. So. Oh, I saw him. I uh, saw him go right around 408 in August. Man, after the preseason buzz, even so. Uh, quickly before we move on, guys, outside of Kraft and Nakua, if there's another name that you think I want him for the last spot on my roster, who is it? Um, I, I kind of like some of what Tyler Scott has done. It yeah, seems like there could be too. an opening there. Yeah. You yeah. Know, he's, he's shown just a play here and there. Maybe he can step forward next season, right? Absolutely anybody different for you. Tyler Scott was my first choice as well. If I'm going to uh, a second option, uh, it'd probably be AT Perry. We've, we've seen some flashes yeah, yeah. from him as well. Okay. Uh, this week. Let's, let's move on. Lots of good stuff there cash stash or future trash yeah it's time to put a bow on the season really or at least the regular season and talk a little bit about 2023 fantasy breakouts and then we'll probably get to some busts as well um start under center i think there's two names that really uh come to mind it's got to start with brock purdy he's maybe at a level above any of the other names that really took a step forward under center ryan Purdy looked really good. The next name is probably Jordan Love, who at this point, at the very least, looks like a long-term starter for Dynasty players and certainly those of us that play in super flex leagues. Um, what do you think of these young guns under center, and, and where, do, where do these guys really stand for you? Are, are you counting on them, or are you still thinking, I hope they're my QB too? Uh, I think there, I think there are different conversations between those two. I'm, I'm 100% counting on Purdy, uh, cash, uh, you know, the, the strongest cash we've ever had, I think uh, yeah. on this segment for sure. Um, and again, kind of going back to the last segment and trying to be retrospective here a little bit. It, it's just crazy that the 49ers told us all off season exactly what their plans were. And we, not <laughs> we just we, listen. not just we on this podcast, but we in the dynasty community still Ignored said, eh, what about Trey? What about Trey Lance though? Trey Lance is pretty good. And I feel so that, dumb. It, yeah, it feels so dumb to, um, and, and you know, NFL GMs and coaches are not always right. That's not what this is about, but um, they were, <laughs> they were even with that Purdy injury, which feels like a lifetime ago now. Uh, they were so clear that he was their guy. And uh, we still saw, I mean, if you look back at like June Superflex ADP, Trey Lance is ahead of, of Brock Purdy. That, yeah. which is well, wild. I mean, I mean, remember, look, take back the best ball drafts this off season before yeah. uh, the, the move to Dallas happened. I mean, yeah. you could get Brock Purdy in like the 16th, 17th round. Like oh, it I was did. out of control. Yeah. Love, love. He's locked in, man. Love is more of a he's he's truly the silver medalist here. There's certainly a difference between the two, Purdy to Love, but Love has made some believers of those of us out there that thought maybe maybe he's just a one year gap filler before the Packers find somebody else. 
Uh, let's move on to some of the busts at the quarterback position. Not not huge names outside of one. It's probably Deshaun Watson, guys. It did mm. not go well in Cleveland for Deshaun Watson, Matt. Yeah, I mean, he's going to be back, and he's going to be, uh, you know, what, mid-QB2, fringe quarterback one again, both in ADP and probably production if he's healthy. Uh, but he's just not the top five option that we thought we might get uh, after yeah. after coming back to football. It's just not it's, it's not going to happen. I don't think even 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 with the shoulder in- injury, I get it. It was a rough season, all that kind of stuff. It's just the the vibes around Deshaun Watson continue to be not good. And uh, I mean, I don't know, like what what can you what are you doing with him? Like from a trade standpoint, you feel like you have to hold. You're not you're not going to get enough for him. You can't certainly can't even move him for somebody like Purdy or Love at this point, right? So, no way. I mean, I don't I don't can, can I can I get can I get Kirk Cousins for him? I might I might yeah, want to do that. Maybe you can do that. I don't know. I mean, yeah, Watson is a tough one. Um, are there any other busts? Ryan, any other guys that you feel like, ugh, it did, just didn't work out? Um, I mean, Daniel Jones. Daniel Jones, Daniel yeah. Jones probably, <laughs> probably the next name on the list. I tried to tee it up for you, but you hesitated. I, I thought I got to tell you. <laughs> Man, think, thinking about some of these names, this has been like the year of terrible quarterback play, and uh, maybe maybe it's headlined by Daniel Jones. Um you just you just start to wonder with really Jones and Watson, honestly, and and I know there's huge huge financial commitment to those two, but at some point these teams need to win, and and these yeah. head coaches need to win. So, is Brian Dable really going to roll with Daniel Jones again, or is he going to go with Danny with with Tommy DeVito, Tommy Danny Don't DeVito? Call him Danny. Or is, Man, that's the first time I've done that. Um, I've, I've avoided it in, in the month, uh, in the past month. But you know, is he going to roll with Devito? Is he going to try to draft somebody? Is he going to try to sign Kirk Cousins? Is that even feasible? I don't know. But we've just seen such such bad quarterback play, and I kind of think the Raiders have have started. Uh, maybe have started the trend. Here. Busts. Well, I mean they. <laughs> They they overpay Jimmy Garoppolo, but then they decide pretty quickly we're we're going a different direction, and it hadn't totally worked out. But it, it, it I just wonder if that starts something that other teams say yeah. I don't care what we pay him. You know, re- really Seattle did this ten yeah. years ago, right? With yeah. with with um, Russell Wilson and, and Matt Flynn. I don't care what we paid him. We're going with the better, better guy, or we're just not going to use Daniel Jones or Deshaun Watson. Um, what are, so all, all these guys are tough to trust. What about at running back guys? The, the breakouts are pretty easy. I think we did a whole segment on them uh, a few weeks ago. Kyron Williams with the Rams, Rashad white with the Buccaneers and James cook uh, with, with Buffalo. These guys, they're they're all studs for different reasons, really. James Cook now getting that workman's role, that that workhorse role. Rashad White is like poor man CMC catching passes and running it eighteen times a game, and and Kyron Williams just looks like the real deal with the Rams, who are a sleeper to make do some real damage in the playoffs because of that offense. These guys. Uh, a lot of dynasty players are going to build their rosters this offseason around these guys. Is that a good idea, Matt? 
I, I, I hesitate. <laughs> um, I, I just, you, you know, a little I, too I, far, I don't, Dan. yeah, you, yeah, like, build you the had roster me and then you, there, you had me and then you there threw are people the winning leagues because of these guys this year and they will go too far and think we'll do it again next year. That that's too far, right? I, I just, I mean, I don't want to carry these guys into the off season unless I am like, well, obviously, unless, unless you just want a but... championship because of, because if you have those three, it's reasonable to have all three of those guys on your roster and be dominating a league right now. And, and I'm probably, if I have all three of them, I'm jumping at least two of them this off season, but as yeah. soon as I can. That's what I was trying to get at. <laughs> okay. I mean, don't get me wrong. I wouldn't mind having them at this point next season, or excuse me, at the beginning of, of the 2024 season. But if I can get anything of significant value for them and just reduce that risk a little bit, that's that's what I'm going to do. You'd re- reduce the risk a lot. Yeah. You got to get at least a first for each of them though, right? Yeah, and that's where the problem lies. If yeah. you can't get the first, you might roll into the season with them. And at that point, even at the draft, that, that value might tank. So you got to do it early, um, and and I don't want to sound Can negative I get... about these players. Cook has looked amazing the last four weeks since mm-hmm. they made the change at offensive coordinator and they started giving him the ball. He looked awesome on Sunday when they just said, we'll just keep giving it to him, and Josh Allen, you take a back seat. You only need to throw it about ten times. Uh, Rashad White's players been look- doing that all season. Kyron Williams, the same thing. I, legit, there are teams that are going to win a championship because of these guys, and it's hard to trade those guys away. I, I just I go back to our rookie conversation, and I wonder if we could move any of those guys for Josh Downs or Jaden Reed right now. I think, or, or Rashi Rice. I mean, I think I, I would think do you all can of those get guys them right now. Straight up, those receivers. Straight. I up. think, and I think I would. I think I would do that. Oh, yeah. absolutely. I think you could. Yeah. Um, as far as busts at the running back position, two names jump off to me. It's Ramondre Stevenson. The injury was just like the exclamation point to the poor season. And Damian Pierce wishes an injury was the reason for his. He has struggled. I'm a Damian Pierce guy. Love that guy. I think he runs so hard, but he is not a fit in Houston. Pierce, I think, needs a change of scenery. He needs to go play in a different offense. Ramondre Stevenson, I think he steps back into that role again a year from now. He actually might be a buy after a bust season. I agree with that. Yeah, I do as well. I mean, it, it'll kind of depend on the coaching situation there. Uh, if we see a coaching change and uh, who's who's leading that team, leading that offense, but uh, certainly way more interested in Stevenson than than Damian Pierce. Ryan, if I said the 2023 breakout at wide receiver in Dynasty is, what name would you put with that? Mm, Nico Collins, for sure. Yeah, it's Nico. And I I did not see it coming either. Man, I know. I, I have a buddy that I play in local leagues with who is a sharp player, and he was banging the table for Nico Collins. And even him who I told, I said, wow, that was awesome that you did that. He said, yeah, I just didn't buy him in enough places because mm-hmm. I wouldn't pay what, whatever that guy wanted. I wouldn't pay the, Oh, I happen to have a sec, a high second round pick in that league. So if it was a late third or a late second, I, I would have done it. And that's where the problem was with guys like Nico Collins, um, that, that you have to find that price point where you're willing to go and, and, Nico kind of came out of nowhere. 
Yeah, I mean, it, it feels like Nico Collins has been in the league for 10 years, but he's 24 years old somehow. And uh, the way, obviously, the way he's played, the way that Texans offense has gone, uh, it, it makes you want to invest in all those guys. We already talked about Tank Dell in, in the earlier segment. Uh, I don't think, I think kind of similar to Dell, well, obviously we've seen both of them gain value quickly. I'm, I'm not sure Collins has gained enough value. Uh, I don't, yeah. I don't think he's moved far enough up rankings or up ADP. Uh, I would be willing to, to pay that first rounder for, for Nico Collins as well. Yeah. That's yep. that, and that some dynasty players will say, Whoa, Ryan McDowell just said first rounder for Nico Collins. But you know, for me personally, I was a Nico fan when you could get him for free. Um, in fact, if you go back to those episodes of the podcast where we were talking about, sleeper wide receivers I mentioned him of course being a big 10 guy and I wish I would have stayed the course with him a little bit more I I lost faith because of everything that happened in Houston especially last season and didn't give enough credit to CJ Stroud and everything that was happening in Houston that's an adjustment I'm going to make moving forward Matt if there's a tight end for you that that when I say 2023 breakout tight end his name is who is it it's Trey McBride, and it, it came late yeah. in the season, um, of course. But I mean, we 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 kind of I think felt on this podcast that he was a bit of a sleeping giant, um, and and it, and it came to fruition. We we got the quarterback upgrade after Dobbs moved on and and, and Kyler moved back, and those two really seemed to 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 hit it off from a rapport standpoint. You know, the Marquise Brown injury certainly has helped with that. But even if they add a couple of more exciting weapons uh, this off season, which they you know they certainly not only want to do but have to do then i still think mcbride can maintain a, a pretty healthy target share in that offense so it's it's easily him he's easily the number one receiver in this stretch for the cardinals and that's something to yeah. consider as you consider his value and how high it should spike moving forward but i agree he's also an animal at going and getting the ball uh he showed that on sunday he was playing banged up and there was a play along the sideline that he shouldn't have caught that ball and he came down with oh, it. Yeah. He flexed on that defender and earned it because mm-hmm. that's the type of player he is. Another uh, tight end worth considering for for this would probably be Jake Ferguson in Dallas. Yeah, feels like a like a young J, uh, Jason Witten a little bit. Just happens to be open in the end zone. Happens to be open in that zone defense in the middle of the field. He's a little bit up and down and had a couple of dud games, but. I really like his role in the red zone and he's certainly because he's a badger and I'm a, I'm a badger fan. He's a guy I've watched. I have on a lot of dynasty teams because of that. And I really like his progression. Feels like he's going to be a long-term fringe tight end one type guy. He might never be the guy that you think he's a lock for my lineup and a guy I'm building my team around, but he's certainly a guy that you don't mind clicking his, uh, the box next to his name. Anybody else a tight end for you, Ryan? Uh, Ferguson was, was the next one after McBride. Uh, I mean, I, I don't know if breakout is the right term. Maybe it is, but David Njoku is certainly, yeah, uh, he's a good one too. Certainly come alive here. Of course, a little bit older than, than guys like McBride or Ferguson, but uh, a player that we always, always had a lot of, uh, expectation for and never quite, never quite, quite met that until this season, really. 
Yeah, catching he touchdowns. Just needed Joe Flacco, you know. That's all he needed. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he needed Flacco, <laughs> but he's catching touchdowns, and he became that seam threat too—the guy that d- down the field. Yeah. I don't know if that that's, was a Stefanski thing or if it's specifically a Flacco thing, but it hasn't happened to this point, and now it is. He's getting getting dotted up with targets too. And, and I think I think as a prospect, we imagined that being yeah, his that's role what we with wanted. athleticism, and it just never emerged. But until these last few weeks, it looks great. He's had awesome matchups every single week too. It's it's good. he's going to carry people to championships too. Uh, we didn't get to the bus at wide receiver or tight end. If there's a name that pops off for you, Matt, among those two positions among the bus, who are the names for you? Oh, there's a lot, but I'll I'll say Elijah Moore. I was getting real excited with him coming back. I think I even said something like he might be the the new Hunter Renfro for for uh, Deshaun Watson. That certainly did not materialize. He had a couple of plays here and there, but um, uh, just really disappointing after a, a a nice at least half of his rookie season. Just thought Is he, he was like, going to do better, and then he's. He's getting 10 targets too and just not doing enough. I know that's the, that's the thing is he's getting targets and he's still not performing. That is like, that's the coffin. The nail in the coffin. I fade into oblivion. Unfortunately, Ryan, is there somebody for you at those two positions that Matt on purpose did not mention? Yeah. I can't believe Matt didn't mention (laughs) Kyle Pitts. I don't, I don't know what else to say about that. Listen, it's, an Atlanta problem. Listen, if you if you get Tank Dell, you got to talk about Kyle Pitts too. That's that's the rule. <laughs> um, <laughs> the one the one for me that really stings is is actually probably Jahan Dotson. He uh, yeah, that uh, I was yeah. I was setting you up for Kyle Pitts so I could take Jahan Dotson. Okay, well I'm I'm getting them both. Uh, Dotson of uh, when you really think about the receivers who have who have disappointed this year. Um, he he's the one that I I guess I was most confident in and and it really expected him to continue yeah. that solid rookie season and obviously that has not happened. He, I, I still have some hope so maybe maybe that's foolish too. and I think we'll certainly see a a coaching change in Washington. We could see a quarterback change in Washington and maybe that's maybe that's all good news for for a guy like um, Dotson. Yeah, I, I'm still a believer. I think he's a nice trade for target because of those things you mentioned. Maybe a new coach, maybe a new offense, all those kind of things. I was looking at stats um, a week or two ago, and he was something like third in the league in routes run. And if you would have gone back in time and before the season said, Jahan Dotson is going to be third in the league in routes run at the end of the season – do you want him on your fantasy team? Everybody in the world would say yes, because yeah. that means he's killing it, but it just hasn't happened. If I had to say a name outside of the ones that you guys mentioned, it's Jerry Judy. The wheels may have fallen off. He, he needs a change of scenery. He needs whatever he needs. I hope they get it for him because I was a fan of him coming out of Alabama. I thought he was going to be in the same mold as, as Calvin Ridley and a lot of the other receivers that, that came from the Crips and Tide, and it just hasn't worked to this point. In fact, he's made so many boneheaded plays along the sideline or drops in the middle of the field with nobody around that I wonder if there's something mentally that's just not working for him. Jerry Judy has been a disappointment uh, as a pro to this point. Hopefully he turns things around. Um, I guess we're out of time, guys. That was a good episode. We're going to stay with you throughout the fantasy playoffs into the NFL playoffs. And then throughout the off season, of course, at DLF there is no off season. We're working for you. We're gonna we're gonna get to that rookie uh, rookie report series 
uh, early in the off season so we can get into these 2024 rookies. Looking forward to that. For Ryan and Matt, I'm Dan. Thanks for listening to this episode of the DLF Dynasty Podcast. We'll catch you again next week. Thank you for listening to the DLF Dynasty Podcast. Please remember to rate and review and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.